0: And welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. My name is Carla. I have been a dog groomer since 2014. Over time, be it before an exam, at the side of a competition ring, or online, I have had many a quiet chat with fellow dog groomers who, like myself, struggle at times to balance life, work, and maintaining a healthy well-being. My aim is to talk to both professional dog groomers and mental health professionals to help us understand... What triggers stress and anxiety within our industry? Why so many of us struggle with our mental health and what we can do to help ourselves. I also want to share stories and handy tips to make life in the salon easier. I am not a professional in mental health and I am not qualified or trained to give advice in this area. I am, however, interested in mental health and what effects our work can have on our well-being, and finding ways to help. So, whether you are a brand new groomer or you have been at it for decades, whether you struggle with your mental health or work with a groomer who does, this podcast is for you. Hello and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. This week I'm talking to Dr Sophie Bell. Sophie is a vet, a teacher, she shares content and she also has trained and worked as a dog groomer. I wanted to talk to Sophie after a few listeners voiced that they would like to hear more about accidents and first aid in the salon. I thought, who better to ask than a vet who has also worked in a grooming salon? I wanted to talk to her about the similar and different stresses with owners that we encounter, what to do in a few of the common salon situations. I wanted to learn about the webinars, first aid courses and first aid kits that she offers and talk a bit about mental health and generally having a nice chat and seeing where it goes. Sophie is an absolute gem. She is so eager to help. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. So let's dive straight in with the interview. Here we go. Hi Sophie, welcome to Wellbeing for Dog rumors How are you today? Hi, yeah, I'm really
1: well, thank you. How are you?
0: Yeah, good, thank you. Um, good to have a day off. It's been very, very tiring um, the last few weeks. So yeah, glad to have a day off, sit down, cup of tea, chat with you. Yes, I've got
1: <laughs> my tea ready as
0: well. <laughs> so um can we start with you just sort of introducing yourself and um telling us a bit about why you got into being a vet and and how you got into grooming
1: yeah so what a kind of whirlwind story I suppose the whole thing so I got into veterinary so I qualified as a vet 14 years ago bit of a lead up to that as well I didn't go straight from school to A levels to university I went from school and then I took quite a chunk of time out because I was a musician Wow. and I disappeared off to London and I was a singer songwriter and I made a living and I made a good living and then one day kind of woke up and thought you know, do you know what I always want to be a vet and now I'm a bit older I'm going to ignore the kind of negativity from school saying you can't do it you won't be clever enough dah, dah, dah. and I'm going to go back and I'm going to go to college which was kind of hard because by that point I'd started to make my own money and live like a non-student yeah so I went yeah. all the way back enrolled into college took my A-levels, got the grades I needed amazingly because I was renting um, a flat and I had four jobs at the same time just to pay wow. pay my life. So it was much harder than just staying at home and taking my A-levels, which I probably in hindsight should have done, but I just wasn't ready. No. And then I went off to Glasgow University and did my five years there. And then I qualified. And the veterinary world was quite different back then. It wasn't – it's much harder now and a lot of vets coming in – they probably they say the average life lifespan of a kind of vet in clinic is only about 18 months to two years. A lot of people by wow. that leave the profession. Yeah. It's a different world now. But I think that's like with any profession, really. And then back in 2014, so this was more a case of this was a very random conversation with my mum, who was very sick at the time. Unfortunately, she died the following year. But she said, um, in my garden, she said, you know what, Sophie, you work like an absolute maniac. You know, you work. 90 hours a week like you've said that at one point you'd like to have uh have kids how how you manage that with how you're working because you'll find it really hard like you can obviously work and be a parent but the level that you're doing is really hard mm-hmm. and she looked at this old dilapidated like garage that I had and said could you make that into something other than veterinary like some other you know dog related business and then she said what about becoming a dog groomer she's like you know you <laughs> Well, she used to say I liked grooming their cock- uh, their cockapoo, Billy. I
0: didn't. Really. <laughs> I just did it.
1: Um, I wasn't particularly very good at it, and he was really naughty. And but you know, I I because she wasn't well and things, I used to help him out keep maintaining his coat. So I went off and I did, and I studied at um, Canis in Oxford.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, I did my level two and level three. So that's very different now as well. I did the two almost combined in quite short space of time and I left and I started up my own little dog grooming business and continued being a vet as well and built it up so it was it was a busy time of of combining both
0: that's a that is a whirlwind you're right (laughs) I didn't I didn't honestly know you'd done um singing and musician work in London that's amazing and then to go and be a vet and do all that training and have all them jobs yeah it was a crazy
1: time it was a crazy time and I, the, the reason I like the dog grooming as well is because, so, you know, full disclosure here, before coming a, becoming a dog groomer, so just being a vet and not understanding the dog grooming world at all, mm-hmm. I didn't see the benefits, really. And this is why I think there's always that, you know, perhaps that difficulty between certain professions and the veterinary world, because we yeah. lack that understanding. And what I used to think was, it was all about making dogs look beautiful, and that was it.
0: Yeah, that's I exactly what I thought it. before
1: I was yeah. a dog groomer. Yeah, and actually yeah. almost saw it
0: as maybe not a
1: particularly nice thing for a lot of the dogs and saw it as a negative, negative thing in some respects. I was so like naive. I had no idea at all. And I was completely shocked when I started my dog grooming training and thought, wow, this is a massive, important part of our dog's well-being. Yeah, but I didn't not understand that at all. And that is the absolute truth. And I have quite a negative view of it at the time. And so
0: do you think it's quite important then for groomers and local vets to sort of make communication to each other? Say if you, you're starting up a grooming business. I mean, I went, when I started, I went and um, actively sort of went into my vets and said hi I'm Carla I'm setting up nearby and if you know if people come and ask you if they need a groomer then here's my details and um, if if I phone you up regarding anything you know who I am sort of thing we've we've always had quite a good little relationship Um, and it's quite nice now that I've been grooming a while that actually I groom for a couple of the the people who work at the local vet, some vets some nurses a couple of the yeah. office girls out the back and we we have a really really good relationship but um i often see sort of either on social media or about that sometimes people do struggle sort of between the two two professions yes.
1: and it's really sad so in i was just reading actually last night um you know you get these like facebook groups and um like vet mums there's a vet mums one in america Mm -hmm. to joining because I had an interest about maybe working in the states but anyway I just saw on there that something that that they wrote which I thought was really good and they've said stop sending it'd be a really good idea to stop sending nail clips especially anxious nail clips in dogs in fact pretty much all of them Mm -hmm. and that work be pushed on to the groomers because the you know in the veterinary like in a vet's room in a consulting room anxiety is very high anyways I know Mm -hmm. it can be in the groomer's um, room as well but it's particularly high and, and, and some of the time they're in because they're poorly and they're saying that we should try and take nail clips away from that environment because sometimes for a dog that ruins their entire process within a, a, a vet surgery. And can we try and do more of them at home or can we try and try and remove their association? Cause some dogs are so funny with their nails and they were saying, yeah, the aging now with more groomers to see, is there a way that we can make it better? You know, do they have, an option where they have a, a separate room that they can go to and, and do their nails and things like that and I thought it was good that they're having these conversations. With yeah the it's good to get,
0: get the talking going and like you say sort of interact between the two of them and yeah I, I, I'm i very lucky like I say nearby I've got two very local vets Um and you, you quite often see the same vets every time you go in so yeah. Yeah, it's quite easy to build up a rapport in that situation and it has helped me out many a time actually when I've had problems with the dogs in the salon where I've I've, I've got on their books which vets they go to when I've rung them up and I said I've got this dog in da, 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 should I be worried da, 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 da. and quite often it's just a nice easy conversation but yeah. it's a conversation that I feel that I can phone up and have and that that has reached me need. several times we get
1: complacent in our industry, I think. And it, it was sort of brought it home to me. I did a night shift the other night with a new um veterinary care assistant, and she's never worked in this role before. And this was her first lot of night shifts that she had done. And I realized about 15 minutes in as I was talking to her that I was talking to her like she'd been doing this job for 10 years. And I sat down with her and went, You've never worked in this industry before, have you? And she said, No, I haven't. I said, Right. okay I think what happens is when we're all in this industry and we do the same probably with groomers as well and everybody Mm -hmm. forget that we have this level of seeing these animals in this situation in this certain environment or have this experience every day and we almost see people you know I was almost thinking how does she not know how to pick that dog up or how does she not know how to handle that cat and the truth is, is because it is a complacency where we're doing it all the time. We just, yeah. just assume everybody can do it. Everybody yeah. will realise that that's a bad lump. Everybody will see that as a negative thing. Or, and actually, it's not true. No. And that's half the battle. I think we, you know, I try to bring myself back down to earth and go, hang on a minute. Like when I'm explaining something in a class. you know I'm there going oh so pulse rate or something like that talk about the animal's pulse rate and people are like I I don't even know what that means like what does that even stand for or so I do think that sometimes the industries forget one another in terms of groomers and the vet relationship I think that groomers maybe need to be more positive in terms of what they can offer so things such Mm -hmm. as we don't just cut coats we help with um maintaining skin as well so if you have dogs in that perhaps have skin disease that need regular bathing and the owner struggles with that then yeah that's another role that we can help with we can you know and almost sort of saying I think groomers undersell themselves sometimes and and vets don't understand I didn't when I started nine years ago they don't understand that there is more to being a dog groomer than making a dog look pretty
0: Yeah, I have an elderly lady who has a little border terrier rescue and she's got ever such bad skin. She has open, these open sores on her legs Mm -hmm. and her daughter can come and help bath the dog. She she has this shampoo that quite often, I mean, (laughs) quite often owners turn up with this shampoo given from the vets once every six weeks and it says clearly on there once a week or twice yeah. every 10 days or something they've not bathed the dog in between at all and they expect yeah. it to just work but this lady she takes it really seriously she's got to be in her she's got to be in her 80s and no. she comes to me every four weeks with this shampoo and she says my daughter can come every th- three out of every four weeks of the month but she can't come this this week so would you just do her once a month seven air full off so i can get to the the wounds and put the cream on and she can have her shampoo treatment with you instead of my daughter that week of the month, and she does it. She books up the whole the whole year, so this dog's always oh, got its little it bath. So, yeah, she's so good, bless her. And that yeah. that sort of thing, like you say, would you know really help. Um, it's just I suppose how often the customer is prepared to bring bring the dog to the groomers as
1: well, well yeah i i think sometimes groomers should share more of those positive stories like that because a lot yeah. of the time it's like sharing pictures of the pretty haircuts but also sharing because sometimes owners don't realize that i'll i'll say to people why don't you speak to your dog groomer actually someone the labradoodle the other day why don't you speak to your dog groomer because he's quite big and you've said you've expressed it's quite hard to bath him
0: yeah
1: and he actually truly believed his owner that he wouldn't be able to just go for a bath. It's they only do it if they're having a yeah. haircut as well. He was really, yes, it, it really, it was really. I think so. That's what I mean by complacency. A bit like sometimes I'll say something and think, well, hang on, just because I work like that every day, I forget that people don't understand what else groomers do, rather than just the pretty hair. Yeah. Because yeah, you do, you really, do so much more. Yeah. Or really I spotted this on a dog today, and, and you know, showing showing that on their page. I spotted this discharge, or I spotted this lump, or I spotted this bad tooth, and the mm-hmm. owner's gone to the vets. Obviously, they have to check with the owner's permission that they're all right to share it, but then say, and the owner has come back and said, thank you, it's this, and the vet, you know, and trying to show that it's more yeah. than just a just haircut.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you, when you say about, like, finding things, I had a Westie, in, older Westie girl, and I was trimming around her back end, and her um, her bits were leaking down my scissors, and it was like this see-through-y, like, sappy-type substance, and I, oh. it was right at the end of the groom, the lady come in, and I said, I do not know what is going on with her back end, but that is not normal, and I think you should phone your vet. Yeah, And they had her in and she'd, she'd had Pio and that was open and they had to literally rush her straight into operation as soon as they got her into the vets. And the lady said that, that she'd been acting a bit off, but she didn't really know why. She just yeah. wasn't yeah. acting herself. And the, she said that the vet said if she'd have left that another day or so, then that might not be that might not be here now, sort of yeah. thing. And I didn't yeah. know what it was. I was quite a new groomer at the time. I just knew it wasn't right. And it wasn't right. Yeah, exactly. So, but, and, and that's why I, I, I didn't even think to share that and say, oh, no. "I found this on a, a, a doctor's day." So you know, I I wouldn't even think to tell other customers no. <laughs> or something like that. Because but that's what like, I think we should be sharing. Say, a lot of us concentrate on the haircuts. yeah
1: I think I think it should be I think groomers should share more of those stories so obviously you have to get permission from the owner with medical stuff that you're all right to share that but I think it's great
0: oh so if we sort of talk about um as we're approaching that you know the hotter time of the year things are getting really hot if a dog's showing some signs of overheating what do you recommend that we do like immediately and then what else do we need to do after that and also with, with signs of overheating, what, what sort of signs should we be looking for?
1: Okay, so the thing with overheating is, is that, so with heat stroke, it's there's three stages to heat stroke. Heat stress, heat exhaustion, heat stroke. In the grooming salon, because the dog is with you, it's unlikely they'll get to the level of heat stroke, which is where they have seizures and the blood can't clot and they're vomiting blood and they have diarrhoea that's blood those are quite extreme and at that level those dogs don't often survive or to help them survive they are the dogs that end up needing to be submerged in really really cold water which people find terrifying the idea Mm -hmm. of a hot dog in cold water but when they're at the level of that level where they're having seizures and things then that is the only way we may well save them for most groomers they're going to see heat stress and heat exhaustion so the dog will start panting heavily and have quite red look to the gums if the groomer knows how to take a pulse rate, they'll notice the pulse rate is raised. But of course, heavy panting and high pulse rate, you can see during levels of stress as well. So it's quite hard to establish whether that is the heat alone. Um, yeah. But the gums will start to look darker red. This should be salmon pink. And then as they move on to sort of heat exhaustion, they tend to drool quite a lot. And they'll show quite a lot of weakness and might be trying to okay. lie down. They might be sick at that point. Definitely if they throw up and you suspect that the heat is too much, then that's them really telling you this is way too much. You okay. can use cold water to cool dogs down. It doesn't have to be tepid anymore. That that rule's kind of gone out of the window over the last sort of 12 to 24 months saying that water from your cold okay. is the best water to use. And yeah, and not to cover the dog so no cold wet towels on the dog because the heat needs to escape that's actually the
0: complete opposite so I think what I learned at the beginning I think when I first started training they sort of said all wet towels around the feet and um they said don't put you know cold cold water on them so it's actually
1: all changed it's changed I think over time heat stroke is a really debated topic you still want to use the water on hairless areas, is usually the easiest way to cool them down. Yeah. And their feet as well, because that is a good place. And a and a fan. Use a fan to take heat away. And I think be strict in your grooming salon. You know, if the temperature, if you cannot get your room temperature down, you know, mm-hmm. to the early 20s, 21, 22, lower for high-risk dogs like your breaking yeah. breeds then just don't run the groom. Don't have the groom. Do it early. You know, if you can, I know it's difficult. For people a shop. They're very much dictated by the hours. Mm. But if you can, I mean, I don't think we get enough hot weather in this country to say that it really messes things up enough.
0: No, I mean, in the, I know when it comes to, um, at the moment, I'm okay. We're still in sort of early July at the moment. It's starting to heat up, but the sun doesn't come round to the window until about at the moment half past four. By the time we get into sort of late August, that is going to be more like two, half two sort of time. So yeah. when it comes around to those times, I start more like seven o'clock in the morning and finish at more like sort of two o'clock in the afternoon rather than starting yeah. at nine and finishing at four, five o'clock. And sometimes you do have to end up just cancelling rooms because if it is too hot, well that is too hot. And owners have to understand that safety comes first. Um, but I mean, last year I it was a bit of a blessing because I got a standing aircon unit so oh nice. uh, that is heaven <laughs> yeah they <laughs> so are heaven. it is it is expensive so I tend to put it on sort of around lunchtime onwards and and it sees me through the hottest part of the day so I reckon I,
1: I was just thinking that the other day because i just come back from Florida last week and I helped at a, um, the big dog ranch like rescue center it's not actually it's big and small dogs but that's how it started and this place is massive I mean it's over 33 acres it's absolutely huge and they've got hundreds of dogs in at the moment and the thing that got me was how much it must cost to run it because every um kennel has to be air conditioned because it's you know at the moment in Florida it's 35 degrees you can't have dogs no literally when we're taking them outside for a wee it was very much like stick to the grass stick to the shade they go out they have a little potter perhaps they can do slightly more early in the morning and a bit more in the in late in the evening but even then it doesn't drop much and but then they go back to their nice air-conditioned kennel and they they must go home and be
0: like oh Heaven! I'm oh, it must. It's, it's, uh, well, I was doing the same. I literally
1: was <laughs> walking around the block, like, "Oh my gosh, I'm sweltering here," and it would just be sort of five minutes to go back in, and then they could get into their air-conditioned kennel, and it was it was lovely. But I was thinking the sheer amount of money it must cost to run that aircon because yeah. the place is massive. Don't get it wrong; it was a, it was a necessity. You couldn't you could not you could the dogs couldn't it, do but... it without it. No, yeah. they really. Yeah, I know what
0: my electricity bill's like at the moment never mind having all that be crazy <laughs> I was going to ask you about um injuries in the salon it can cause the groomer and the owner and the dog a lot of stress so why is it important to keep the humans in the room calm if something um, happens it's really important I
1: think keeping calm is a, a real skill in its own right you have to um take yourself out of the situation a little bit it's something you've got to try not to immediately take it personally so say you are a groomer that's accidentally caused an injury and you've caused a, a say a skin wound or something like that mm-hmm. it's very important to try and teach yourself to focus on sorting out the dog and try to take your emotion away now that's really hard to say that yeah skill I've learned over the years because i work as a, i work mainly nights so a lot of what i see are emergencies everybody is highly fueled and highly stressed mm-hmm. and sometimes the situations can be incredibly dramatic that are put in front of me and i have to almost play a game in my own mind where i disassociate with it mm-hmm. so if you were a groomer that had caused a skin wound you've got to almost disassociate with what's going on and then deal with the owner and the, and the situation after because If everybody's uptight, you're going to cause the dog to release lots of hormones like adrenaline and noradrenaline and things like that. It's going to raise blood pressure. It's going to increase the heart rate and the dog is going to lose more blood if they're actively bleeding. So slowing and stemming a bleed is going to take much longer. Yeah. And the dog's going to get worked up. The owner, you know, and it might be that actually it's not even that painful. It's not that bad. But from the outside, the dog will look really distressed because everybody in the room is distressed.
0: Yeah, of course. Picking up off everyone else as well. Exactly. And I think as well, again, you know, a lot of
1: these injuries, touch wood, that happen within a grooming salon are very minor. They're not going to lead to death. That no one's no. going to die from this. The problem we have now, I think, maybe I'm wrong, With well, the problem we have now is social media. Mm-hmm. and it's such a positive and such a negative So yeah. actually when I was going back to me being in the states I couldn't get any data when I was outside of the um, hotel so the whole time I was out working with the dogs and things and the rescue and everything I couldn't look at Facebook I couldn't look at my phone because I couldn't access it mm. and I felt the most relaxed I've ever felt in months of because course, yeah I took myself away the thing is what happens is it's a mixed bag you care deeply for the dog that you've injured and you know that but you know it's not going to die and you know it's Mm -hmm. not you know it's fixable and you know hopefully you're insured and it's going to be covered and you're not going to lose lots of money it's it's the potential of somebody then going you know rogue on you and and writing about how terrible you are and yeah
0: yeah you know know, that's
1: that's the bit that's the scary bit i think as well
0: yeah, I think like you said, with with the whole like people getting worked up and dogs getting worked up and things. Like last week I had um a miniature wirehead accident in and the owner is a very sort of anxious person. She she's yeah. very you can it just sort of feeds off her and I, I pick up on anxiety quite easily, so I I yeah. can tell. Yeah. Um, and so I took the dog in and I did accidentally quick the nail. The dog, you know, did did have a little bleeding nail in the back foot and I I was getting it to stop I put all the powder on it I got it to stop no problem made sure the dog was calm I didn't want to go out until he was fine because I didn't want the lady to get upset and then him get upset again so it all calmed down um it was no problem. So I picked the dog back up, took it outside again, and then it scrapped on my waistcoat. And what happened? The nail started bleeding yeah, again, where it just man. stopped. Yeah. So then obviously this time he was in my arms. The lady was there. The husband was in the car. And then she's going, oh, no, what's happened? What's happened? And I've passed him to her, not realizing what's happened. And then she's got a white t-shirt on and then oh. this dog is then just bleeding on this woman's white t-shirt. And I said, come on, let's all go back into the salon. We'll get it to stop. He just, you know, he's, he's quicked his nail a bit. And so we put it down and this woman, she was, she cares about her dog so much and she was getting so worried. And this dog was just tap dancing around and he was panting and he was like, you know, what's wrong oh, with no. my mum? And this nail just would not stop bleeding. And so oh, I basically no. just said, look, just go to your vets and, take him there and see if they will stop its bleeding because I think we're all in this salon together. I'm trying to stay very calm. I can see that he's got, a, you know, a bleeding nail, but he's not calming down here now. And you're obviously very worried about him. So I think the best thing you could do is go to your vets. And I said, what I'll do is I'll pre-phone your vets ahead so they know that you're on the way. Da, 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 da. I had a chat with the lady on the phone. And she said, okay, yep, yeah, we'll get him sorted. We'll have the nurses ready. Um, and then the lady who owned the Daxon phoned me back an hour later. And she said, Carla, thank you so much for shipping us off to the vet. She said that the lovely vet um, explained to us that obviously with us coming in and being very worried about him, that obviously the blood pressure's gone up. So the bleeding yeah. would be harder to stop. Yeah. So whereas your groom had obviously already stopped it with the quick stop. Um, by this point he's got excited and it's all you know escalating yeah, yeah. and she said I just wanted to thank you for doing everything that you could for pre-warning the vet he's absolutely fine he's got a little band he had a bandage all the way up to his elbow
1: oh bless <laughs> him. on
0: him and she said and the lady said don't be worried they have to do that to make sure it stays on and she goes, Oh, I, I'm absolutely no problem at all. We'll bring the other dog back to you tomorrow after work if that's okay. And I was like,
1: Oh, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes you're better doing that. Yeah, using, I mean, but but isn't it a shame that I always think that the anxiety <laughs> level there for you, that owner, yeah. and potentially the dog, over a quick nail yeah. is such a shame. And and that's where I wish pet owners would do more learning around that you know first aid courses or just small bite-sized courses about things to help them understand because if they understood more about that so actually what I do now when I cut nails in animals that are with me in the clinic I do say to them this is where the quick is and I usually show the owner and say but obviously we've got wriggly dog nail cutters yes I've been doing this for numerous years but we do have this quick stop here oh I usually use a silver nitrate pen and I'll say to them I've got it there. Don't be alarmed. But it's there because guess what? I'm human and I still catch the quick. And I actually pre-warn the owner. I do a lot of things like that now where I'll say to them, this is worst case scenario. Just because mm-hmm. I don't want you to freak out, and panic. Yeah. It, it can happen. So I'll just pre-warn you. And I do sometimes I do catch the odd one. and I'm like, oh, oh I've caught that one. And they're like, it's OK. We kind of like we will. Wards. yeah yeah. i think with nails it's not a bad thing and just to say to an owner you know unfortunately wriggly dog nail clippers it's very easy to catch them even with years of experience um I don't think you can ever be perfect. I'm, no. I'm certainly not. I certainly and when
0: you when you perfect. speak about first aid courses, how often do you think us groomers should be going on first aid courses? And Well,
1: I think it's very much an individual thing in terms of, so obviously certificates usually last for three years and it's usually advised that you refresh every three years. Mm-hmm. The one thing I would say is it depends on you and how you sort of like retain information like me for example I have to do a lot of um CPD as a vet um 35 hours a year I tend to do a lot more than that probably do triple that really but that's what I need I'm required to do mm-hmm. and it might be that six months previous I've just done some work on kidney disease in dogs but I feel even after six months I want I want to refresh again yeah. So there's some topics that really stick in my head I think it depends and also you have to bear in mind, like you said about heat stroke, the information's changed. Well, I constantly update my first aid courses because information does change. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, there's little things that I've changed recently that I think, oh, someone would have only learned that quite recently, but actually now the advice on that has, has become different. Yeah. And I think there's more to first aid than, so I think some people like to go back and refresh mainly for the CPR aspect. But I always think in first aid is all the other little things that you need to be on hand for. And you know, you need to remember what to do in a seizure and 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 write that yourself a little checklist or something if you've got an epileptic dog coming in, what would be the yeah. chance if something went wrong? Just always be ready to go and, and explain to an owner, oh, okay, right, he's diabetic um has he ever had any funny turns does he ever get low blood sugar you know um I don't know just research the dog that you're dealing with and that will also be a refresher in its own right
0: yeah to talk to that individual
1: dog and say oh yeah I'll just remind myself about that
0: yeah that was one thing that I was actually going to ask you about when you mentioned the seizures well I, I put out basically um if you could ask a vet any question to do with our job, what would you ask them? And yes. one of the questions that came up was about actually um, dogs having drier seizures. Now I know when we're in training for grooming, we quite often get taught about um, epileptic seizures. So, yes. you know, uh, as far as I'm aware, um, electric off, lights off, curtains drawn, dog put on the floor, um, phone the vet, let the dog do its thing, do its thing give it space. Um, is it, with dry seizures, what what are they? Are they the same as epileptic seizures? Do we treat them the same? What 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 is your take on that? Yeah,
1: so no, they don't seem to be the same at all. So, going back first of all to the epileptic seizures, so information's changed there slightly now. They're saying it doesn't matter whether it's light or dark. What okay. matters is if there's flashing lights. So don't worry. Focus less on making the room dark. Just remove any stimulating light So I mean, it's unlikely you're going to have a flickering but, light, but if you yeah. do- so you had a bulb on the way out that that's that's the bit you need to get rid of rather than the light in general. OK, don't forget. Keep them cool. We, we say shake and bake. They usually uh, fit and then overheat Okay. Um, Drier seeds. conversation with people. Now, obviously, some epileptic animals can be triggered by noise. So you could get a true epileptic fit where they usually then go down on their side they're paddling as though they're having a dream, but obviously it's a lot more vigorous and and they're stiff in their body. With a drier seizure from talking to a lot of different people, it seems very much like it's a panic attack. And when you delve into it and you look at it, 90% of the time, these animals are elderly. So my guess, and obviously it is a guess because people haven't really done major studies in this, but the way I've looked at it is these are dogs with dementia and they have forgotten it's very easy for a dog with dementia to forget the entire grooming process you know they they'll leave the groom room and when they come back it's like grooming them again you know they, they've yeah. forgotten many elements of it um and the dryer is one of them and so then they have yeah. a panic attack
0: it's really interesting that you say that because i've i've seen on social media people write about dryer seizures i've never had a dog in the nine years that i've been grooming have a a dryer seizure no dog has ever started yelping halfway through or done anything um bizarre like that but I've always switched the dryer off when I see some dogs will just start looking a bit funny like they'll look in a different direction and they're like it's almost like they're trying to avoid what's going on and that's kind of when I get anxiety attacks if I feel a panic attack coming on sometimes I have to dissociate myself from the situation that I'm in I will just look to a space that has nothing going on to try and take yeah. myself out of it yeah. so it's it's odd that some dogs do that and yeah that that you connect that with you know forgetting what the dryer is being scared having a panic um, yeah. That, yeah I that think does...
1: it definitely seems to be that way when you talk to people it's usually older dogs and then they don't say they lose consciousness in any way of anything they're no. very critical and it's almost like a, a fear re- reaction rather than an actual seizure, but they seem not to respond to you. Like somebody having a panic attack probably wouldn't yeah. respond very yeah. much to you. They're in their own zone at that point. Mm-hmm. I always say to people, if in any doubt, especially with the older dogs, perhaps try drawing them an issue with a happy hoodie on, something to, I mean, you can get headphones, noise-canceling headphones for dogs. <laughs> really? you know, a, they're there, they exist, you know, and it might wow. be some dogs that you need to put a pair of headphones on them because actually, as soon as they hear that noise, or yeah. you just need to do everything really slowly and have the dryer yeah. running, but away from them. And then into, you know, but for some elderly dogs, it's just all fear. They've forgotten I think what it is.
0: When I get dogs that get like that with the dryer, I always just recommend to the owners that actually a shorter trim is better because then I can dry them with a the finishing dryer. I yeah. don't, it don't have to dry for as long. There's not as much hair to work with. Um, and then Even if they suggest coming less often, I say, well, actually, no, I think you still need to come as often because the longer you leave it, the more hair there is, the more it's got to be dried and back to the same problem again. So, yes, I do recommend you come six weekly, nice short trim so that the dog doesn't have to go through that stress and I don't have to have the worry of, oh, is this dog going to have some kind of thing happening in front of me? Um, because it's not happy so yeah i i I think that's that's really nicely explained actually so that's what uh, it seems to be and don't forget i mean you've got lots
1: of herbal based um relaxation remedies on the market that owners can speak to their vets about you know a lot of of them are based around green tea so you can use things like nutricalm um i think Nutri. oh there's another Nutri. there's there's loads of different calming products out there that are very Natural for the dog, and some of them usually have to be given about an hour before they're groomed. They're yeah, like, I am um, edge off.
0: I use a lot of the spray that Yitka Carmen, it's like a herbal oh, yes. spray. And I know yeah. that um in the salon, if I'm getting a bit stressed out or if the dog seems a bit stressed out, that's the first thing to come out and it goes everywhere. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And spray yeah. Your, spray yourself as well. So we Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And also your arms where they're going to be sniffing and associating Um okay. that's, we do that a lot in clinics. So when we're handling, especially fractious cats, if they're really difficult. I spray my arms with valerian-based products beforehand and give it a couple of minutes. And usually that helps with handling because they kind of have that smell, like they can smell that rather than me and it seems to help. Um, And so we do, we spray it on ourselves at work and it does seem to make a lot of difference with those animals. So I think doing that in a grooming salon would be ideal.
0: Yeah, I really like the idea of spraying areas of the body that the dog's going to go to. Because I sort yes. of, I usually sort of spray the dog and then spray me for the benefit yeah. of calming me down. But the idea of spraying the areas of me that they go to would help create a calmer yeah. bond between the two of you. That's great. So another um, question that a listener did um, write in about was um, clipper rash. So if you get clipper rash around the hygiene, around the balls, maybe on your poodles um what advice like there's obviously sprays and things we can use in the salon but what advice would you give to owners to go home with with clipper rash
1: okay so firstly what i would say about clipper rash is it often happens in um dogs with less pigment in their skin so if they're very pink beware be aware i mean i'd almost say to the owners that dogs that have less kind of black pigmentation to the skin are more likely to react to the groom full stop So I'd always be giving those people the heads up that clipper rash can be a real issue for those dogs. Clipper rash is also an issue issue for dogs that already have underlying allergies. So if the ANA flags up they have a food allergy, they are allergic to different products. They're allergic to dust and grass and things like that. There's a really good chance they're going to get clipper rash in those Wow, okay. So I think it's important to say to those owners that because your dog is very sensitive, then one thing I would advise that they have is a buster collar at home. You've got to stop the dog licking the area that's sensitive because Mm -hmm. it's maybe going to be just a minor bit of clipper rash that settles over 24 hours will get a secondary infection if they allow the dogs to lick. And that's when it then becomes more of a problem and they need better. Okay. So definitely a buster collar, stop them licking. You could, I mean, there's nothing to stop groomers, you know uh, stocking a few different buster collars in their salon if they do sell things Mm -hmm. and probably quite useful to have probably something that you could even you know I don't know how you could factor that into a to a sensitive groom or an area where you say the dog has got mats and so therefore you need to pay five pounds and have this buster collar as well I see lots of groomers use lucillin which is perfectly fine spray and there's another brand that's very similar called veteracin that's um pretty much the same they're pretty similar in products i do quite like if owners don't don't have those sorts of products so obviously in a grooming salon you can spray those on but if owners wanted to do something else at home to sort of of soothe the area then actually just a a cool tea bag so if they've made themselves a cup of tea take the tea bag out of the water and once it's cool enough just even holding it on the skin right okay take some of the inflammation down and yeah. chamomile tea is often even better mm-hmm. they can use now this is where a gray area well i suppose it's gray area and not so gray area really but arnica cream is really soothing we always tend to use the um like i tend to go for the nelson's brand now not yeah. that i'm really supposed to endorse certain brands but there's only two main ones really on the market and one of them is herbal in base. And that, that can be sometimes if the dog licks it, it might be, be a bit toxic, the herbal. Okay. And the others are homeopathic. As long as it says homeopathic, now people might turn their nose up at that and think, oh, homeopathic. But we yeah. use Arnica cream. I would say the majority of vet clinics use it as standard. Yeah. They'll clip your dog's leg for a blood sample, take the blood sample, put the Arnica cream on, assuming it might get irritated. So we yes. do it in... Because it looks a little bit pink, and we think that's going to get red.
0: Yeah, and in the vets, you use really short blades, don't you? Sort of four, Is it 40s sort of, Yeah. So yeah. The Arnica cream is always it's good. Homeopathic. So
1: good. Yeah. Yes. So it, good. it's really good, and I don't see any contraindication as to there as to why a cream like that you weren't allowed to apply apply on the dog. But if you felt that that was going to be a difficult thing, you you didn't want to put a cream on a dog without speaking to the owner first.
0: Yeah. then if you do notice,
1: yeah, or the, I mean, you could say, you know, your dog is very pink. We know that the increased risk of, you know, is highly increased in allergic dogs and dogs with very pink skin. So if we notice an area looking a bit red after clipping it, do we have permission? To spray some of our antibacterial spray, i.e., like Lucillin, yeah, just apply a little bit of um this arnica cream and totally Brilliant. appreciate if you'd rather us not put anything on, but just double check and, and also have that written on the bottom of your form, maybe. Or, yeah, remember you always really want someone to sign for most things that you've asked for. So, if you're asking, say, to have a dog clipped off because of mats, like you want your form, there. you need to
0: click so form release, yes, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. So anything that you think, I mean, I have not sound like I'm, pl- I'm plugging it out, but, but not, but I've got um, canine health and welfare in the groom room course. And in there, I cover a lot of things, that the, like things we've been talking about. And um, one of the things is about clipper rash. And I have okay. a form that you can print out and give to the owner explaining why it happens how it happens and the fact that they have to be aware that their dog is very high risk for this because of the type of skin they have
0: yeah and you've run sort of first aid courses as well
1: Mm, I do so the first aid courses are very much like aimed at any pet professional the health and welfare in the groom room is basically looking at specific things that can happen in the salon and how that might affect the dog that you're grooming
0: and how can people find out about those or get in touch if they wanted to book one
1: so I have a website which is animallovepetfirstaid.co.uk. Mm-hmm. It's a silly name actually. I was thinking this the other day. Not the animal love parks, but I animal love was animal love was the name of my dog grooming salon and the reason that I called it that is because I always knew I'd never focus purely on dogs. So right. I wanted a do- I wanted a name that was away from just dogs because everything I came up with was round dogs and I thought well no because I'm not sure whether what my grand plan is yet. this was sort of almost 10 years ago and I knew I wanted to create content for pet owners and pet professionals because there's so much for vets and vet nurses and there's barely any CPD recognition there's not you know not strong content that people can get certificates in that are working in an animal industry so I always knew that was my goal yeah and then I started with first aid um, because the place I learned grooming said can't find any decent first aid training could you train our our um students and i was like uh okay leave it with me yeah. <laughs> I'll come back in a couple of months once i've put something together yeah do a trial and that's kind of how it started so then it became animal of pet first aid but now i teach webinars as well on do you castrate do you not do you spay do you not how do you look after dogs who are brachiocephalic with like flat faces yeah dealing with uh senior dogs diabetic animals um, dogs and cats with mouth issues so it's kind of gone beyond first aid so it although the name says first aid that's a bit of a lie really it's kind of should be animal love health and well-being or something so yeah. it's a higher entity of its own right now And we can, can find, find all, my... all
0: of those things on your website you can yes yeah brilliant no that would be really interesting to get everyone to go and check them out definitely and, and you also do... sell yes. um first aid kits and things as well yes do yeah i love do
1: so i have a variety of different pet first day kits on there they are just currently changing i'm changing the look of pet first day kits you either okay. love it, it i wanted to bring a modern twist to um a pet first day kit so hopefully i reckon within about six weeks they'll be on my website brilliant look um so I've
0: got, I like your pet, um, your first aid kits because you've got little bits of information in there, little flip cards that you can look at. And if, if yes. you do get yourself a bit worried or whatever, there's always like a flip card to just check what do I need to do, pull a point, pull a point, pull a point. Um,
1: yes. So those you'll notice as well, obviously people can't see this on the podcast, but there's like these, so I'm going to be creating more like bigger cards, like these sort of plastic wow. cards yeah. that will all go onto like a keychain and they'll have lots of different information on them so there again should be my aim is for about six within about six to eight weeks we're going to have new first aid kits a pet first aid book which is basically a real every almost every scenario you can imagine but a very quick bullet point you do this this, this just so that then people in an emergency can go ah seizures right turn to s yep need to do xyz brilliant Um, but we're going to put the do the plastic um cards as well because they're really useful for people that don't want to carry a book or for someone on a dog walk or something like that it's got a quick access guide to like what, yeah. what do I do right now so I reckon six to eight weeks time all of those things will be in there we're completely revamping and Lincoln sat down started this project about gosh I don't know eight months ago with the shop and just went I want to make it look different and I want to bring it up a notch because if you're a vet or a vet nurse you have access to all of the things that I've just said in a vet or veterinarian's form. Yeah. But in the pet industry, there's a limited amount of stuff that you can get. And I I want to increase that. So And it needs to be quick gadgets. and easy yeah. to read
0: and easy to understand. And yeah. that sounds brilliant. It sounds exactly what we need. So, yeah, I'll put all of your details that um, in the show notes as well. So people can go straight onto your website from there and have Thank a little you. look. So another um, question that a listener did write in about was... Um, tongues
1: oh when you cut a
0: tongue I've only done it once in the whole whole of my grooming career a little was a little bichon customer that used to come to me and she would always have her tongue out and half moon around the side of the face to put in the nice side you know round (laughs) bichon head and at the last minute this tongue pops out and only caught the very end of it but what what do you what is your advice what do you do I mean
1: yeah, it's such a big one that comes up. And I don't think there's any amazing way of stopping a tongue bleeding. Now, I do see a lot of groomers say, go straight for the sugar. It does worry me because you just you, you, you've got to remember when you're doing anything to help. Could it also hinder? And it's just re- remembering that it's a bit like in my role okay, as a vet. I think to myself, oh, I'm going to use that drug. But of course, I've got to think what other drugs are they on, because that drug might make them really unwell yeah um, or it could make the situation worse you know like people know a lot about anti-inflammatories like metacam but if a dog has got diarrhea i can't give metacam i'm going to make the diarrhea worse although mm-hmm. it might make his tummy feel maybe more comfortable i'm going to make him feel more sick in, in the long run right it's like that as a groomer even though it seems so simple putting sugar on a tongue if they were diabetic you will make them you could potentially send them into a hyper and then the owner's going to have a bit of trouble trying to you know, sort that sugar level out. Yeah, I always think the best. I mean, one of the best things to stop a bleed is always compression, like putting pressure on the area. That's near on impossible on a tongue.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: other thing is something cold to restrict the blood vessels. So if you've got, um, it depends where you're working. If you're if you've not got access to some sort of something icy, it's going to be hard. But sometimes just wra- wrapping an ice cube. Yeah. In, a, in a thin swab and try to encourage the dog to lick it even if you put something a thin layer of something on there to get the dog to lick it's the cold you want yeah
0: yeah you that's really good it. advice yeah I mean, most groomers but have got a fridge my, really... my
1: thing would be just keep a tub of doggy ice cream
0: brilliant idea yeah yes. and to
1: lick it and then you'll find that it will stop the other thing you could use, so you've got all those sort of um, clotting powders like Clot It, You can use that powder on the tongue, but you're going to need to get contact on the tongue, and that's going to be hard again. Yeah, unless the dog will let you and hold it's not a it.
0: very nice um, texture to have in your mouth. I wouldn't have thought for a dog. They're going to probably try and spit it out, aren't they? I mean, yeah, probably yeah. a bit
1: like flour, because you could use a little bit of flour. But again, you know, it, I think with a tongue, the bottom line is there's lots of clotting factors in the saliva. I, I would put them on the floor let them take a drink yeah and just let them take some time out and yeah. the bottom line is you're probably gonna have to extend the groom potentially by an hour because you may have to give them half an hour to completely calm down yeah um, and then you might have to rewash the face so yes. you're probably going to extend all your time but it is a hazard and you know I, I don't know how we come across that or get across that you know do we warn people pre-grooms would that make but but owners need to be aware this stuff happens because again yeah you know, they take to social media and oh look at my dog you know he's got blood on his face where the groomer caught the tongue if i was going into an operation and saying to someone i'm going to spay your bitch today mm-hmm. i would be saying to them all the possible risks including death obviously yeah but you know i would be we would never go on the NHS and and have a procedure done without people telling us all the negative sides. Yeah. The chances of those are very low.
0: Very small, people, but you, you know, still have we to don't... sign it. Whereas in our industry, people do come and have got a disclaimer to say that, you know, I understand that accidents do happen within the salon. Um, all the all the usual things about that and de-matting and all sorts in there. But yeah, these individual topics, I suppose groomers just sign that, um, grooming customers sign that quickly and don't really think... Yeah. Or that it could include this, or it could include this, or it could include this, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, luckily, accidents yeah. do happen very, very few and far between. But it's not, like I say to, to you know, friends, we're not trimming hedges, are we? It's You know, they move, they're alive. They're,
1: yeah, um, it's, it's a shame, really, because then, as I say, then what people then get worried about is social media again, because people go off on a rant and, you know... I don't think you can get through your grooming career without an accident happening. No. And the thing is, it is exactly that it's an accident. And, you know, I, I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I had an accident happen. I remember I was grooming a little dog and I was just finishing his head. Mm-hmm. And um, I managed to, I don't even know how I managed to do it actually. I managed to catch the edge of the scissor on his head and cause like a paper cut.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it basically bled like mad. And of course, he was white, of course. Yeah, always white. Yeah, and the owner was literally like <laughs> pulling up in the drive. So I was like, "Oh my goodness!" I know the owner quite well. I didn't know her that well at the time, um, but thankfully, my saving grace—two things really, I suppose—that went in my on my side. There's a. She um, was at, worked in the maternity ward in hospital, and she was mm-hmm. very aware that you know mistakes happen. She came in, and I'd already I started crying. You no, know, I catastrophized this. I was literally like oh, in my head. It's a paper cut. This dog doesn't even mm. need treatment. The, 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 no. It doesn't need gluing. It doesn't need stitching. It doesn't need staples. It just needs keeping clean. And it's very unlikely that anything's going to happen. It's such a small thing, yeah. that it bled a little bit. And now this white fur is pink. And she came in and was just like, I cannot actually believe that you've got yourself like, you're actually crying. You've got tears in your eyes. You're scared to tell me that this has happened. And I was like, I know, it's crazy. I said, but I guess... My thing is, is I know the dog is fine. I know that this hardly even hurts the dog. I've cleaned it up and I know it's okay. And obviously, again, if you want to go to your vets, your own vets, because you want clarification, which she didn't. She was like, no, I trust you. It's fine. And I suppose that was what was on my side is that I am a vet. I said, you know, I'm not worried about this. at all, It's you know, it's nothing. It just looks more dramatic than it it actually is. But yeah, I I started to panic. And really the bottom line was the dog was fine. The dog wasn't going to be in any trouble, my worry was telling her,
0: yeah, uh, what yeah. got me,
1: you know, what got me into an absolute mess, which is the same and, you as know. what
0: happened with, me with that accident the other week. I knew that yeah. I'd quicked its nails; it didn't, it was going to it stop. It had already yeah. stopped, but it was yeah. just the situation had got to the point in the salon on that particular day where I felt like I couldn't keep in control of what the customers emotions was you can't control how someone else thinks or no. you can't preempt what someone else is going to say or how they're going to react and you've got their baby on the table and it's it's all that that goes with it it's not always it necessarily is. what you've actually done yeah. um you know and I mean when whenever I've I have injured a dog I've said look if you want to take this to your vets, take it to your vets, I will pay for it that's what my insurance is for you know I, I'm more than happy to pay for that that consultation for you to, you know, see what's wrong. And if it needs any treatment regarding anything that I've done, then that's, you know, that will be covered as well. Yeah. um But I, in all honesty, I haven't actually had a single customer ever no, once, once I've had a customer take me up on that. Um, yeah. Because nine yeah. times out of 10, people are completely understanding. Um, they
1: are. And, but the thing is, I suppose it's, it's, it's a very difficult topic to broach. I think it's a very difficult one. And, and we all, you know, we go home then and we dwell on it. We get really upset and there's mixed emotions from all parts. If we if we stripped it away, we know the dog is fine. The dog's not going to die. The dog's not going to need major intervention here. Most things are very simple and it's going to be better. And actually the dog's probably forgotten about it. It's unfortunately people, you you do get understanding cu- customers and then you get those that really aren't. And that's what can basically make you feel ruined. And it's not, you know, yeah. you it goes away from that animal then, and it becomes more that someone is directly mm-hmm. criticizing you. And yeah, you've you had an accident, you know. You
0: people who are secretaries file stuff wrong sometimes, people who, you know, are chefs put the wrong types of, you know, cook your steak wrong sometimes, people make yes. mistakes. Yeah, and I think what it comes back to is that we are working with a living animal that is effectively someone's, well, their baby, and yeah. it, it is. Yeah it's hard to just look at it as just a mistake because obviously it's it's a bit you know
1: it's there. It's sentimental.
0: Yeah. It's physical. Yeah. It's got a personality. It's not like a piece of paper that you filed wrong in a cabinet. But at the same time, it is still just a mistake. You didn't mean to do it. You didn't intend to do it. No. And, you know, everybody makes these mistakes all day, every day of the year. Of it just course, so happens of that this has happened yeah. to you today. It's it's happened at work, and it happens to be someone else's animal that's involved. Um, and you've and got think,
1: and, and, and sometimes you've got the wrong person. As in, yeah. Yeah, you, you've you got the wrong person like, that, that's not particularly nice to you. And that, that's what then can make somebody then get really in a bad place over something exactly. like cutting the quick. Yeah. And it's not, you know, unfortunately, those sorts of situations become out of our control almost. It depends on how the owner reacts over your own emotion.
0: So is there any ways that you, you know, after you've had like a hard day at work or after you've had difficult customers, like what do you do to relax? What do you do to...
1: Um, clear your brain. Gosh, clearing your brain's hard, isn't it? I think it's mm. very difficult to um, to wind down fully. I find weirdly enough that when I come home from work, sometimes my, my I do have the the side track of my children. So um, they're still little five, four, and four. I've got four year old twin boys and a five year old daughter, and they are still at that very innocent but very full on stage. And sometimes I find they're almost like my therapy. That, that is quite a good therapy for me. And dog walking. I absolutely love walking. And I find I'm really creative when I go walking. I usually think, oh, I'm going to write something about that. Oh, I'm going to do that course. Oh, I'm going to, you know, and I, yeah. I find it enlightening when I go See, walking.
0: See, I, I do a lot of that. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do this when I'm actually working. And I think that's just because my brain is so busy when I'm in salon mode that I've got all these different thoughts swimming in and out. But yeah. when I go on a dog walk, I've really, like, this year, actively tried to just look um because I was told with my anxiety I really need to like come back to the present and I really struggle with just the present it's always oh but this has happened and what if that happens and this happened then and but what happens if that happens so when I'm out on a walk I like to just like think right. I can feel the wind on my face or I can see the trees like look how green the leaves are it's not just one green there's loads of greens in there when you really look at them and just try and um I, I use that as my like I'm clearing everything out um yeah so that's, that's
1: good because it's hard isn't it I think yeah our brains are so busy these days and there's so many things going on and mental yeah. health is a is a major issue for so many people so yeah. many people and I I feel for them you know I think people's mental health almost get neglected sometimes
0: yeah and I do. until
1: it gets to breaking point yeah. and that's you know that's really difficult and I think you know, we ignore a lot of what's going on when it comes
0: to our mental health. Yeah, and we shouldn't have to get to the point where we're just in and out of tears all day, or we shouldn't have to get to the point where you can't get out of bed because you just have don't have anything left to give. we, yeah. we shouldn't get to that point, but you know, unfortunately, a lot of us do. Um,
1: oh, and- I've been at that point, point, hundred percent. So when I was qualified for about a year, about eighteen months, my mental health took such a battering. I think towards the end of vet school the first sort of year and a half in clinic. And I don't think I'd really realize how bad it was, but I was actually working in clinic. I was consulting in between consultations. I was either sick in my sink or crying because I had just got myself in such a mess. And I just remember this moment of the door opening to the consulting room. It was my mum, my sister and my brother-in-law and said, come on, Sophie, we're gonna go and take you to go and get you sorted. And I hmm. had a conversation with my boss and said, worried about our daughter. Went to doctors, had a couple of weeks off, <coughs> started some CBT, yeah. started some medication for anxiety. Felt like the whole world had just been lifted off my shoulder, like so much better. But obviously it took someone from the outside, like my family, yeah. to say, okay. Like I wasn't there shouting to anyone saying, I feel this, I feel that. But obviously they could see, yeah, they probably my boss as well something's not quite right she's obviously really struggling at the moment and sometimes it takes someone from the outside and I think I to think be you're brave right as that person on the outside and say don't think you're insulting anybody because they literally saved me that you know I, I was obviously in a much worse place than I ever well I look back now and I know how bad it was but yeah at the time I just thought that's I just
0: normalised it. In, in, in the time, it's like, oh, that's just another thing. Oh, it's just another thing. It's just another thing. And until yeah. you actually, <laughs> um, like you say, have someone on the outside say to you, are you actually okay? Do you need to go and speak to someone or whatever? And um, I know when, when I went, to the doctors with my anxiety I didn't actually think it was anxiety I thought I had a thyroid problem I knew that I was tense all the time I knew I was low on energy I knew that I wasn't enjoying stuff as much um I just didn't feel like myself I felt a bit numb or whatever and um I was sort of like when I went in and sat down sitting on the edge of your chair and fidgeting about like I do I'm a real fidget sort of I never sit back and relax I always stand up or whatever and the doctor was saying to me I really think that you just need to go and talk to someone you you sound like you've got a hell of a lot on your plate sound like that your brain's like you know got a million things it's trying to think about at once perhaps you just need to go and talk to someone and um actually yeah I think that what you said about you know having to go and perhaps do some cbt yeah it's something that i think a lot of people will put off because they don't know a lot about it or they don't think it will help them but it's actually when you talk to the amount of people that i've spoken to now who have been to therapy and who have gone down different routes of getting help through difficult times it's really important for people to understand that actually it might be for you it might help you and if things are bad then why not give it a go? Sort of thing. I've I've actually checked back in. I'm going back next week for a little bit of an update, but yeah, um, it's something that I do when I feel I need it. Um, and I know when I need Me it. Me too. I've actually you, started you a, a, a whole bit... load of it again as well.
1: And a couple of <laughs> uh, yeah. weeks I've got a whole load. Yeah, yeah, because I really understand my mental health better now. and Like you, and, yeah. and the other thing I think groomers need to do that for themselves. And also, the other thing that I spoke about not long ago was imposter syndrome. And imposter syndrome oh, is oh, the yes. thing that it's very difficult and so it's
0: basically
1: yeah well you're you know you're almost like a, a voice inside your own head doubting everything you do thinking everything you do isn't good enough it's really hard I have vet days like that sometimes and although sometimes I think it's good for me as a vet because
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know sometimes I'll have one of the nurses saying to me you've just checked that drug medication like dose and I'm like I've got to do it again today just because yes of the frame of mind i need to make sure i'm 1000 percent sure yeah that's good bet i think it's good because it it makes me never become complacent that's why i'm always doing loads of learning because i think no i need to be better i need to be better but some days it's also very debilitating and for those groomers with imposter syndrome you will you'll you'll have some days where it all feels really great and other days where you probably question every single thing you've sent out of your salon completely yes
0: i think that's really common actually with you having done some grooming in your time, what do you think it is about our industry that impacts our mental health the most? I mean, I've been recently thinking, is it that our, our jobs are stressful and that impacts on our mental health? Or is it that the job attracts people who struggle with their mental health because it is working with animals? It's, what, what's your opinion?
1: I think there's loads of layers to it. I think that yeah I think a lot of jobs with animals sometimes people think they're going to be easy I think that's quite a big thing a bit like dog walkers you know lots Mm -hmm. of people think oh walking dogs all day or like especially on a nice day where the sun's shining oh it must be oh yeah
0: glorious today
1: (laughs) incredibly stressful you know I, I I think working with animals full stop is very stressful because also not not just because i'm saying the animals it's just the animals but sometimes we go back to the owners you know they are their babies i think over time people have become to baby their animals even more so and so just a bit like i don't know like sending my kids into nursery and stuff i i always say to the workers there i really feel for you it's a tough job because we're quite i wouldn't say <laughs> non-caring about our children but we're very much understanding accidents Mm -hmm. happen kids are difficult you know they get up to mischief but some people some parents are very very strict about things and I think it's very hard working with children and I think it's very hard working with animals and I think there's a high level of pressure and perhaps not a great financial reward no so you then can't have the money to spend on maybe the time out you know so we, it might be that you're working you know long weeks in these roles which do come with a lot of pressure in whatever whether you're dog walking your dog boarding your dog grooming any of those things and cats any of those animals yeah but then you don't always have the money to to have nice things in life or do things that may yeah, or nip away for the
0: weekend
1: to get a break away or <clears> exactly you know, yeah you can't afford maybe just to have a day out or go and treat yourself to a massage or something that makes you feel good yeah and because you've then got the bills to pay and then you've got if you're running a, a dog grooming business you've got all that financial aspect the cost of living is going up people don't yeah, have much money to spend. yeah. all the no shows the cancellations yeah you can't plan your finances properly to somebody it might seem that oh it's just my dog that's only 50 quid yeah yeah that's a lot. And when you start time, yeah, absolutely. And I think that then, and then it doesn't feel like the job it should feel like, you know, you've worked hard, you should be rewarded for it. So yeah. I think mentally that becomes quite depressing. And then you probably think, what the hell am I doing this for? Like, you know, I'm, I'm busting myself in here. I'm, you know, dealing with all I'm of tired, I'm, I'm stressed, yeah.
0: I'm exhausted, yeah. I'm emotional.
1: <laughs> and what do I have for myself? nothing yeah I can't even get on the the housing ladder or you know there's (laughs) (laughs) you know the car needs fixing can't afford the car which means I can't go anywhere and so I think it's it's a double thing like that I think I don't get me wrong working with animals is also amazing too and I wouldn't yeah absolutely I, I couldn't take away from that um obviously in my particular role one of my major problems although touch wood clients are usually pretty good with me but usually is you know lots of people don't necessarily like the bets and that's because of money Mm. money always causes an issue money is always a thing
0: yeah
1: you know I now say to people so I had someone do this to me the other day you know I had to say to them how much something was going to be and you know sort of said to me about money grabbing and all this stuff and I did actually put it really simply and said listen I'm on a 14 hour night shift. Now what I could do is go upstairs and read my book and drink a cup of tea. But your dog needs me Mm -hmm. and I have to work hard on your dog. I don't make the prices. I'm certainly not money grabbing because if I had a choice to work really hard for the same salary as sitting upstairs with a cup of tea and a book, well, you know, I might choose a cup of tea in the book. So I can guarantee you that this isn't me saying, I'm gonna try, you know, the money aspect has nothing to do with me. That's the powers of above. But the work that needs to be done needs to be done because I know your dog needs that.
0: Um, yeah, and I, and I to- sort of yeah. do try and remind customers. When, I actually try and remind customers when they come into my salon if they say about money and vets and things like that. And I sit there and I I sort of try to explain to them there are no there is no NHS for dogs or for animals you buy these dogs and you have a responsibility to these animals and there isn't public services that are just going to give you loads of money for your animals I know that they there are certain animal charities that do help in certain situations yeah. but for most people that isn't something that's an option right. and if you will choose to keep buying more dogs and acquiring more dogs that's going to be more vet bills it's going to be more grooming bills it's going to yes. be more food bills and it's something that I don't think necessarily is weighed in when they see that puppy online or wherever it is they've seen this puppy advertised yeah. and they've got that impulse if I want to buy it and then yeah. what I say to them as well is like Ourselves in the grooming salon, the vets do also have those hidden costs. They have insurances, they have machines that need updating, they have equipment that needs rebuying, they have cleaners that need paying, they have receptionists that need paying. They've got so many. Duh, 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 yeah. yeah. It's not just that little box of tablets that you've got there, it's not just that 15 minutes that you was in the shop. There's so much more behind it. And they sit there and they look at you and they're, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I, I suppose, well, I I suppose so. Yeah. And it, it's like in an industry, any industry, but I think again, it comes back to the fact that we've got their babies we've got their animals the animals need the groom the animals need the vets the animals need this and it's not given to them on a plate which is what they want it to be you know yeah. um, and yeah, unfortunately not, you do yeah. have to sometimes be quite not brutal but honest and emotional-less uh, emotional I don't yeah. know if that's the yes that sounds like a good word, <laughs> you to <know>? me. <laughs> you don't have to be nasty but you're not going to dress it up either this is the cost this is what you're paying for this is yeah. what it is yeah. and if you can't afford it then you shouldn't have bought that third dog or that fourth dog that yeah. you've just
1: got. And we know that too like as in historically we know it costs a lot to go to the vets. Mm-hmm. We know that. We we know that it's just general chat across the board that everybody knows that a trip to the vets is never cheap. And so therefore like you say when you go in and and also it's like when people argue the cost of groomers find out how much your dog's going to cost to groom and the particular breed that you might like to get and just factor that in it's just Mm -hmm. it's so simple like you know i really like jeep for just basic things changes on it compared to say another generic car and i've come to realize that it's a lot more so therefore right now i'm not in a financial position to do that because i can't commit to it so i just wish people would sit there and say how much is the groomer? Right. I work eight hours a day. I need a dog walker. So how much is my dog walker? Yeah, right, The dog's going to be roughly this size at adulthood. I want this type of food. How much is that going to cost? Work it out for the month and they may sit there and go, I can't afford that. And that's fine. OK, wait until you can or think of a different option or give up something each month that perhaps you think to yourself, I have two takeaways a month. Get rid of the two takeaways a month. If you really want the dog, but they That's cost it. a lot of money.
0: I think it is sort of a see it, need it, see it, want it, need it society at the moment. And you just can't have so. that outlook with no, animals. You
1: can't. Hence why I was well 35 and then 36 when I had my twins. I 35 and my daughter, 36 with my twins. And one of the reasons is, and I'm not saying that you know you can never be in that, but you can never be financially ready for kids, I don't think. What I did know is that I needed to just tick a few things off my list. I knew children were expensive. I'd already looked at nursery fees and I already looked at how feasible that was for me to work and pay for nursery and what that would mean. And I did all of that before. And I also knew that because I'm self-employed, there was no maternity pay. So I also needed to look at I took six weeks off with both. That was my maternity for my daughter. My Mm -hmm. twins was six weeks as well. And I knew that that's all I could afford. And I knew mentally I had to get myself around all of those things. And I was either going to do it or not do it. Well, obviously, provided if I could have children, that's always, you know, you never know whether you're going to be able to have them until you start trying. But for me, I needed to be prepared. I mean, don't get me wrong. We've given up so much. There's so many things that me and my partner don't do anymore because the children and they're not, it's not cheap. But I knew that in my head. I knew that I was like, yeah, we won't be going to have holidays abroad because Three children, two adults, and I help a house at home with the dogs. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah. Uh, we can't do that, not in school holiday time. It's astronomical. So we made those decisions and we factored that in. And I think people yeah. need to do that more with dogs and see them as they're there for potentially 15 years. Maybe yeah. You. More. You've, exactly. You've got to pay for them. You can't just suddenly say no. And you need to remember that vets' bills, yeah, you know, you can
0: run into thousands people just don't bear it in mind a lot of the time nowadays no
1: and I and I do understand like people say oh 100 pounds a month for pet insurance it is a lot it is a lot but then I also worry and say but you know if you put that 100 pounds aside in the bank
0: yeah it's
1: going to be there yeah but also if you did it for a year 1200 pounds gets you nowhere when it's serious no it doesn't and that's why I also worry I'm like OK, if your dog doesn't have an accident to say five years and you can save that £100 a month, then you, you've you got a good buffer of money. But I think realistically, if it goes wrong, £1,200, I know because I work at the industry, it doesn't. And that's no. scary. It's really scary, but it's true. Mm.
0: It, oh, it's been so interesting talking to you today, Sophie. So thank you so on? much for coming <laughs> on. <laughs> oh no you're welcome we've covered literally everything that i wanted to ask and so much more i can't um thank you enough for all of your invaluable advice and and your time today
1: oh you're yes. welcome no thank you it's been great and it's been great that we've spoken about lots of different random topics as well yeah a little bit of mental I health love these and sorts
0: of conversations
1: me too I think it's important I mean, we need to be more open and speak about these things and I think people when they see me on social media or they see me out and about they think maybe I'm someone different to who I am and don't realize that actually I go through all the same anxieties that you do I go through all the same imposter syndrome all the same worries all the same concerns um and I completely get it. I mean, honestly, I completely get it. I've been there. Yeah. And um, I think a note to anyone that's working that, you know, with animals or has animals, my inbox is always open. And I mean that, whether it be through social media or like through um, sort of personal message on, on there or something, or via email, I'm always happy to have a conversation. And I would rather that, even if it's a little concern if you think, oh, an owner said this to me, is it true? Or I don't know you just want to check something sometimes you just want to speak to someone that's not in your direct circle mm-hmm. and I yeah. work closely with groomers I don't I don't get involved in any politics I'm not like no any specific person I don't out. so so I feel like you, know, you can come and talk to me you can talk to me about something grooming related obviously I can't help you with a great haircut because I'm not that great um but I can help you with skin and some behavioural stuff and yeah you know and just give you another opinion and try and lead you in the right direction. Actually
0: I came over to you I remember at the Kennel Club I think it was last year or perhaps the year before last we'd not long been out of lockdown I came to see you because I had Um, a hair splinters between my yes. I'm one of these many dog groomers who has one of these scars that down here oh, yeah. where I've been hacked open and had all the hairs pulled out from between my knuckles where they are penetrated in but I came over and I spoke to you not for even very long I, we had a really nice little conversation I mentioned I had this problem and you said oh you should start pushing from here and start stroking lower down your hands and you even though the hair I know listeners can't see this but they I I think most people can picture where you get hair splinters between your middle finger and your engagement finger um and I had hair splinters in there and you said start pushing from down near your wrist up towards the spot give it loads of distance and just gradually work your way up then go back down and just keep doing and do you know what, since the day that I spoke to you that day, I was pushing hair after hair after hair out of my hands every day after work, Uh, I do it all the time, I get I'm the most clumsy person I had, I think I actually messaged you about this, I stood on a while I had my um, hand healing up after my operation from having the remains of what was left in there, out, yeah. I then stepped over a garden fence while I was in my garden, whilst recovering from my hand, and managed to impale my leg on a <sighs> garden cane, which split yeah. into about three pieces in my leg. Oh. There I am stroking my leg down from the top of my leg all the way towards these. Getting all the bits tents. out. Yeah. And I went to A and E, and the bloke couldn't find it in the scan. He couldn't get it out. He could feel it, and he said, "There's something in there," but he said we can't get to it you'll have to have an appointment in about two months and i sat here doing this trick that sophie taught me da, 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 on a nine hour journey to cornwall yeah. and i got a piece out about three inches long that came out of my leg and i was like i can't believe i've just got it out and i literally i took a picture of it next to um a box of matches you know the big matches yeah and I took it to the person in the hospital the following two weeks later and she's like you got that out yourself and I said yeah and she said how did you do that I said well I know a vet who yeah. knows the trick." <laughs> <laughs> it's so good and actually now what I do
1: because I get it people doing it with dogs with grass seeds yeah and then um, one of the things I also get them to do which I've added in as an extra is get them to do dunk the area for about 10 minutes beforehand and Epsom salts Right. And then do that. So you could do that with your hands, with the hair sensors. Yeah. Dunk it first, really soften it all up with the Epsom salts, and then start doing your massage yeah. down
0: and it's, it's such patience. a problem with groomers that it doesn't I mean, have it really spoken is. about until it happens <laughs> to you and you're like ah oh, I have this thing in my hand but oh I, I used am, to get loads I yeah. actually wear a glove on my I have to check what hand it is now on my left hand I always wear a glove when I'm doing spaniels with me it's always spaniels when I'm yeah. clipping because it's oh, one yeah. hand on the dog isn't it you clip yes. clip with your right hand one hand on yeah. the dog with the left and that's where I'm assuming they go in so I just look like a bit like Michael Jackson I suppose when the <laughs> customers <laughs> come back because I've always got this one black glove on my left hand and then
1: nothing oh, on oh my goodness you're going to have to learn to, um, what is it, moonwalk? But probably, I can moonwalk
0: already yeah, I used to be around the salon <laughs> That would be great. I just well. need to learn the sound effects, which I'm not going to even try. <laughs> but, uh, well, on that note, thank you so much, Sophie. I oh, really, no, thank really, you. really oh, enjoyed no. speaking to you. Yeah, so and much. to you as well. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Have a lovely rest of your day. You too. Thank you. I always enjoy speaking with Sophie or listening to her speak about her work. Sophie always has so many tips and advice on things, and she's always so enthusiastic to share her knowledge too. I definitely recommend getting on her website and watching her webinars, and keep an eye out for her new book. I would also recommend checking out Verity's podcast, Pod on the Dog. She did an interview with Sophie Bell on there as well about doggy dementia, which is really interesting. But that's all from me this week. I'll be back next Friday. For now though, have a lovely weekend. Follow Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast, on Facebook and wherever you get your podcasts. But for now, cheerio.